Okay, Masechet Rosh Hashanah, Daf Chaf 20. And what a Daf it is, a lot of really exciting discussion. We're going to have three main topics. The first one is, how long is Adar? We already began this. I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, the second topic is going to be really fascinating about adjusting months artificially for various purposes. And generally, we think that this is a straightforward process. Whenever the witnesses come, we want to get it right. But we're going to see here that for all for a couple of different purposes, for convenience or for a communal need, we will actually artificially adjust the calendar and either add a day or take away a day for these two reasons. And we're going to see four opinions about um, one says, no, you cannot change it at all. Second one says you can add but not remove. Third one says you can... Uh, um, you can add or make earlier. Either way, Dimi says you can make it earlier, but not add a day. So all four possibilities. And then we're going to end with Shmuel's expertise about astronomy and the uh, some complicated discussion regarding the molad. Uh, so, all right, a lot to do. Let's start off with how long is Adar? Uh, we're talking about sometimes when there's only one Adar and other times when we add a second Adar. So we already saw yesterday three opinions that the community in Jerusalem said it's always 29 and 29. No question about it when there's, whenever there's two Adars. However, the quoting from the Nevi'im, they had a tradition that said, no, you decide both of them. You get together, Adar Aleph, maybe 29, maybe 30, could be 29, 30, could go either way. Rav said, it's always 30 for Adar Aleph and 29 for Adar Bet unless it's decided otherwise, but that would be the standard. And now we're going to see Mor Ukva, who says that the last Adar, whether there's only one or if there's two, the second one, is always 29 days. Okay, and we're going to challenge Mor Ukva's opinion. This challenge will also apply to the first statement, because that also said it's 29 days. Um, Although Marukva said it's always that, even if there's only one month, it's only only 29 days. So we're going to challenge that from a source. We're going to have an Ikad Amre that brings a proof from that source, but the challenge will be rejected. The proof will also be rejected. And then we're going to have a second challenge to Marukva, and that will be conclusive. So Marukva is going to be rejected. Okay, so that's what to expect. Shalchu le Marukva. It's actually something that was told to Marukva. He was the exilarch in Bavel. And so they wanted him to know this. Adar hasamuch lenisan leolam haser. This will, be, this will be useful information because when he wants to know when Pesach is, if he knows that Adar, that the Adar before Nisan is always 29 days. So then once you know that, it's easy to, as long as you know when Rosh Chodesh Adar was, and then you have a lot of time to uh, have that information, they would be able to know more precisely when Pesach would be. Okay, that's the tradition. Now, question. This is the next Mishnah that we're going to be quoting uh, soon, not today. The next Mishnah says that there are two months of the year for which we allow desecration of Shabbat, Nisan, and Tishrei. What are we talking about this desecration? We're talking about witnesses. If a witness somewhere in Israel sees a new moon and happens to be on Friday night, well, they need to tell the they need to tell the Bet Hamikdash, the Sanhedrin. What if they live far away and they're going to have to travel uh, there, violating Tehum Shabbat and perhaps also carrying? 
uh, can they violate Shabbat could go and, could go and, to go and tell them that they saw the moon? And the answer is, if it's Nisan and Tishrei, then yes. Why those two months? Because those two months, uh, we're going to say, they have all the holidays in them, uh, Sukkot and Pesach, and we want to know, Yom Kippur, we want to know exactly when the holidays are, so that overrides Shabbat. To get the holiday on the right day, uh, we will allow this uh, desecration of Shabbat by a few people, could be a lot of people, anyone who sees it, if they're within a day's walk to Jerusalem, if they're more, if they're farther away, then don't bother because you're not going to get there in time anyway to be Mikadesh HaChodesh that day. But if in a day's walk, they can even violate Shabbat. So this is very important. We got to know when the holidays are, we got to get it right. Okay, now, now knowing this, According to the other opinions, not the Modukva tradition, I'll just call it Modukva, even though he was told it, he was the recipient. Um, according to the other opinions that said that the, the Adar before Nisan can be 29 or can be 30. It depends on whatever. It depends on uh, the witnesses. If it depends on the witnesses, and it makes sense. That's why I have to send witness. That's why I need witnesses. And I have to make sure that they violate Shabbat. So I get the calendar right. But if you agree with Morukva, who says it's always 29, so why do you have to send witnesses in Nisan? I already know when Rosh Chodesh Adar was. I already know it's always 29 days. I'll just calculate it. And it's simple. I know for sure. I don't want We don't want it. We want to try not to violate Shabbat. So why are we doing that? And the answer is because there is a commandment to uh, for the betin to uh, uh, to hear witnesses, examine them, and declare that it is holy. They can't just calculate it and say mikudash mikudash. It doesn't work that way. Even though they had the calculation, and this would explain because the Greeks already knew all these calculations and you know, knew when the new moon precisely was. So the rabbis also, like in this case, they knew when it was. Nevertheless, we need witnesses. We can't do it without the, going through the official uh, ceremony. And so that's why mitzvah mitzvah lekadesh, that's why we have to do it. Okay, that's answer number, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the answer. This is version number one. However, there's another version of this conversation in which it's not a challenge and a response, but rather an attempted proof, and then a, a response saying it's not a proof. So we just switch everything around. Here we quote the entire Mishnah. So you said, according to the Modukva tradition, that it's always 29 days that before Nisan. I have a proof to that from the next Mishnah, which is that you send messengers, even to violate, you, you send witnesses even on Shabbat. So if I follow Morukva and it's always Chaser, then I understand why I have to Mechalel Shabbat, because you have to, uh, you have to do it by witnesses. Um, so you always, you're always going to need witnesses. But if it's flexible, in other words, if Adar can be 29 or 30 days, then it doesn't matter. I don't have to violate Shabbat to make sure that the previous month will be 29 and Rosh Chodesh will be on the 30th day because I don't have that rule. 
I can make, I can just ignore the witnesses, stay home, right? Don't violate Shabbat. And even if they don't come and no one else comes and we get it wrong, okay, so what? So we missed it, right? It really should have been uh, on the 30th day. All right, but we're not going to violate Shabbat and we'll just wait the next day and we'll make it on the 31st. So if we're flexible, then we should not require them to come. If it has to be 29 days on the Pradad and 30th day is has to be Rosh Chodesh, then we need them to come because we can't just Mekadesh without them because of the mitzvah. All right, so fascinating, uh, uh, a switcheroo, making it a proof, but then we reject it. Your logic makes sense if the 30th day is Shabbat. So then you need them to come on Shabbat so that they will declare the moon. But there's another case, and that would be what we're talking about. It could be that it's the 31st day that is going to be on Shabbat. And nevertheless, Mishnah says you should violate. Um, and so that is an equally good reading of the Mishnah. And since Mishnah could be talking about the 31st and still you violate Shabbat to send witnesses, it means that, in fact, it could happen that the uh, Adar was 30 days. And that's against, that would be, that would be not a proof for Mordukva. So we're left without a challenge and also without a proof. But now we get to the second challenge, which will be definitive. This is quoting the continuation of the next Mishnah, the Mishnah that we just quoted. It says, um, now after the Bet HaMikdash, we, vi- we tell the witnesses to violate Shabbat only for those two months. But when the Bet HaMikdash was, uh, existed, then we would tell the witnesses to travel on Shabbat for every month. Why? Because we have to make sure the Qurban will be on the right day. Rosh Chodesh has a special Qurban, and we don't want to miss out on, the, on that Qurban, that's the Qurban Musaf. So therefore, you have to violate Shabbat. Uh, violating Shabbat is a big thing. It's true. But remember that for all things that are related to Qurbanot, we do them on Shabbat, we violate Shabbat for it. So even though this is not about the slaughtering or sprinkling or burning, this is only just to know if it's the day that we can do it. Still, we violate Shabbat. Okay, so that's what the Mishnah says. Now, So from the reasoning of the Mishnah, since the Mishnah says that in, uh, when the time of the Bet HaMikdash, we would violate everything because of Takanata Korban. They don't say because it's a mitzvah. Because uh, they don't say it's because we can't do it without, without witnesses. So, um, so that would mean that that entire reasoning that we used before to give the answer to the question doesn't work because we said that it's dependent on there being a mitzvah the kadesh which means like you need witnesses to come even though you already know it. So if so, if there's no mitzvah, then nisan and tishrei also there's no mitzvah the kadesh and therefore why would you need it in nisan? You already know it's twenty nine days. So this now. This continuation of the Mishnah is actually reviving the first question that we asked. So just to finish off the challenge, if you go by the opinion like the ones of the prophets that say, it's up to you, you figure it out, 2930. So certainly we need them to come in Nisan so we know when Pesach is, otherwise we have no idea. But if you say it's uh, always 29 days, then 
um, why should we bother, why should we violate Shabbat? We already know that Rosh Chodesh will be then to be the 30th day. And don't tell me I need witnesses because I can't mimic Kadesh without them. We just established that there is not a mitzvah like Kadesh ala re'iyah. You can do mikadesh even without the, the without seeing. And that is the challenge, a final challenge to um, the, the uh, tradition of Mor Ukva. Okay, so there you go. That, that is not always necessarily 29. It could be 29 or 30. And that ends our discussion of Adar. And now we go to the next one, which is this um, really fascinating idea that you can adjust months artificially. You probably already know the famous Mishnah and that we're going to come to in Rosh Hashanah about Rabban Gamliel, who accepted witnesses, even though the other sages knew that the witnesses were lying. He says, how could Rabban Gamliel do that? Why would he accept witnesses? Rabban Gamliel himself was an expert. Why would he accept those witnesses? And I think this uh, Gemara will explain it, that he might have been accepting them artificially, knowing that they were lying, and nevertheless accepting them because he wanted to adjust the months so that Shabbat and Yom Tov or Shabbat and Yom Kippur don't come back to back. And so that's what we're going to see, these two reasons. So let's go right into it. Ki ata ula. When ula came from, uh, to, to Bavel, he said, Amar, Listen, they added an extra day to Elul. We saw before, quoted a few times, that Elul is always 29 days. Um, but apparently, not always, right? it was always until it happened that they did make Elul 30 days. And so 31, the 31st day was Rosh Hashanah. And so that's what he said. And then he added, Right? Do you realize, you Babylonians, what a great favor we did for you by pushing it off, by pushing Elul, Elul um, by pushing Rosh, Rosh Hashanah one day forward? We did a great benefit for you. All right. This is a cryptic statement. Let's try to figure this out. How did it benefit the how did it benefit them? My tibuta. Two opinions. Olahim Amar. Well, this is Ola himself. He explained it. Mishum Yarkaya. Because of vegetables. You see, you can't pick vegetables on Shabbat. So when you have just Shabbat alone, you pick the vegetables before and you eat them. Um, the, uh, back then, because they didn't have refrigerators, they would only pick vegetables right before they were going to eat them. Because if you wait, if you wait a while, then they're going to wilt. So the, the the vegetable garden was their pantry. So Shabbat by itself is, is fine. Here's the problem: if you have a Yom Tov and Shabbat back to back, then you can't pluck vegetables on Yom Tov either. And now you're going to have a problem because two days in a row, you're going to pick it. Let's say you have Yom Tov and then Shabbat. So you're going to pick the vegetables on Thursday afternoon. All right, that'll be okay for Thursday night and Friday. By the time you come to Shabbat, the vegetables are going to be all wilted. So it's very inconvenient. It's not enjoyable to the holidays to have Yom Tov and Shabbat together. So apparently on that in that year, um, if they kept Elul to be 29 days, then uh, let's say Sukkot would have been on uh, Friday. So we said, we're going to push it off. And that way, Yom Tov will be on Shabbat and you won't have two days in a row. Or maybe it would have been on Sunday and push it off. And that would make it to be on Monday. So you have a day in between to pick your vegetables. So we say, see, we did a great favor for you guys. Okay, it was also a favor for Eretz Yisrael, but we'll, we're going to ask that question in a second. He said, because of the dead, because of a corpse, if someone dies and you have two days back to back of Yom Kippur 
or of Yom Tov, well, main, mainly Yom Kippur, then you can't bury the dead. You can't bury them on Shabbat or on, uh, on Yom Kippur. Um, and the main reason is because we only bury right away because of Kavod Hamet. And would it be Kavod Hamet to have to though, now go violate as important as burying uh, uh, on time, it would not be Kavod Hamet if he caused Shabbat or, or Yom Kippur to be violated. And so therefore we do not bury on those days. And this would be a problem. Two days in a row to leave a corpse out would be rotten and smell and it would be bad for everyone around there and also disrespectful to the corpse. And therefore, so we added a day. We pushed Yom Kippur off another, a day ahead because of that reason. All right, now we have two reasons. What's the dif- difference between them? What practical case would one apply and not the other? My benayhu, ika benayhu, Yom Kippurim shachal yot achar Shabbat. If you have Shabbat and then Yom Kippur on Sunday, which we could never have in our calendar. According to the second reason, because of corpses, then yes, we have to push it off, right? To make to make uh, Yom Kippur on Monday so that we can bury, if someone died on Friday night, so that way we can bury them on Sunday. So that, that would apply. If it's about vegetables, so then you'll pick vegetables on Friday afternoon and that'll be for Shabbat. Yom Kippur, you can't eat anyway. When's the first time you can eat? On Motzei Yom Kippur. So Motzei Yom Kippur, you'll go out to the vegetable garden and you'll pick it then after Yom Kippur is over and then eat it. So there's really no problem um, in that case. So that would be a, pra- a different, a practical difference between the two cases. Um, let me just say that now for Halakha said nowadays we do have Yom Kippur and Shabbat back to back. So the rabbis didn't have a problem with that. So that the re- in other words, the reasoning for the vegetables is uh, secondary. Halakha has, does follow the reason for the dead. And that's why uh, we have the rule, lo adu rosh. Rosh Hashanah cannot be on Sunday, different reason, on Dalit, on Wednesday or on Friday. If Rosh Hashanah is on Wednesday, then Yom Kippur will be on Friday. Can't have that. If Rosh Hashanah is on Friday, Yom Kippur will be on Sunday. So that's why we say lo adu, and we uh, never have Yom Kippur back to back with Shabbat, precisely for the reason of being able to bury the dead within one day. Okay, good. Now, now we have a question. Uh, both of these are legitimate concerns. So according to the, the, uh, the person who says because of vegetables, would he not also agree in, uh, in, in any case that you should bury because of the dead as well? So then all we, all we need is that reason. So you know what? I'm going to have another example where there would be a difference between the two. It would be Yom Tov, HaSamuch Shabbat Yom Tov and Shabbat back to back. That does have a, also a difference. And if you say it's because of vegetables, yeah, I need to push it off so that I can pick vegetables and not have any uh, salad two days in a row. Here, see, Yom, Kippur, Yom, uh, Yom Tov is less stringent than, than, than Yom Kippur. On Yom Tov, if you need to bury someone, even on Yom Tov Rishon, you can bury the person by, with Gentiles. You can hire Gentiles to go and do the burial for you. Uh, this is a halachalama seh. We don't usually do this, but uh, two years ago at the beginning of COVID, when there were so many people who passed away on Pesach, the chevra was overwhelmed and they did 
uh, have uh, non-Jews um, drive the body and bury it without any Jews coming, no family members, nobody. They had to do it by themselves. That was certainly a very sad time. People lost their loved ones kind of suddenly and also were not able to attend the burial at all, but they couldn't do the molan on Yom Tov Sheni. It was uh, too backed up. Okay, so therefore he said, you know what? There is a way out regarding, regarding Yom Tov, and that would be make a difference. So, okay, now we ask the question the other way around. According to those who said because of the dead, so isn't, don't you have a good reason because of the vegetables? You know, not worried about vegetables? And he says, no, no, vegetables, you can always keep them fresh by putting them in hot water and they won't wither, you know, make a stew or something and then it, it'll be okay. And uh, so therefore there's a way out that way also. So each one of these um, does have a way out that applies on Yom Tov, right? You can only make you can only make the hot water and put the vegetables in on Yom Tov, not on Yom Kippur. So, uh, but the question is, you know, which is the thing that you want to do least? And so that's why they disagree on the reasons. Okay, now that we understand there's two reasons and the differences between them, going back to Ula's statement, Ula came to Bavel and said, I did you people a great favor in Bavel. What do you mean we did us a favor? In Eretz Yisrael, you have the same calendar. You also would have to have Yom Kippur back to back or Yom Tov back, Yom Tov and Shabbat back to back. So why are you saying for us? And the answer is, you're right, it was good for us, but even for you, it's good, even better for you in Bavel. Because in Bavel, it's very hot. And therefore, that will cause vegetables to wither more quickly and corpses to decompose more quickly. The summer in Iraq is a few degrees hotter than the summer in Eretz Yisrael. So Eretz Yisrael is not as hot. And so it wouldn't be that bad to keep it for two days um, and it would be okay. So, you know, Bavel, you should appreciate even more what we did. Okay, now this now introduced this whole concept of um, moving the months, right? Adding a day or a takeaway. A day, a month can only be either 29 days or 30 days, which means Rosh Chodesh can be either on the 30th day of the previous month or on the 31st day, right? The previous month is 30 and then the 30, what would be the 31st becomes Rosh Hashanah. So it can only be one or the other. And now we learn that it doesn't depend on just calculating or even on witnesses, but you can manipulate it, manipulating the calendar. Okay, so this becomes very, very tricky, right? Can you do this? Can you manipulate the calendar? And now we're going to see four opinions. One says no manipulation at all. Rabbi Yosho ben Navi is going to say you can manipulate forwards, but not backwards, right? In other words, if you know that it's the, supposed to be the 30th day of Rosh Hashanah, you can ignore it and make it the 31st. Rabbi Yochanan says you can manipulate it to be 29 or 30. Rabbi Davdimi says you can manipulate it to say, I want today the 30th to be Rosh Hashanah, but you can't ignore witnesses and say, no, no, I'm going to make it tomorrow. So all possibilities. Let's see the uh, explanations of each one. Ini, you just said, I'm going to manipulate the calendar. The following tradition says no manipulation permitted. Um, so he says, can it be that just like we intercalate the year for our needs? In other words, if we see an Adad Aleph that 
it's still it's still winter time and things are not growing. So the betin can decide at will to add another month, right? It doesn't go by witnesses. It doesn't go by anything. They decide whatever they think is best. So, so that for sure, everyone agrees can be done. That's ma'abedin. Remember the word ibur comes from to add, like to be pregnant is to add, uh, right? Uh, someone who's pregnant adds more, um, more weight. Uh, so we are adding more another month when we intercalate a year. So can, can it be that just like we can intercalate a year for any reason, so too we can intercalate, add a month, add a day to a month for any reason as we wish? No. So the Pasuk says, this month or this moon is for you a Rosh Chodesh. When you see this, when you see a new moon, that little sliver, then you have to see it and you have to be Mekadesh. You can't decide to do it whenever you want. It's objective, astronomical. So according to this, no manipulation is allowed. So now we have a contradiction. Before we said manipulation is allowed, and now we say manipulation is not allowed. So there's no uh, there's no contradiction. One, before we were talking about you're allowed to push it a month forward. That's what we said before when Ula said, yeah, yeah, we pushed a little forward for you. That's allowed. But this uh, statement of Rabbi Bar Shemuel, when it says you're not allowed to do that, that's about mekadesho. That's about sanctifying it early, sanctifying it on the 30th day, even though no witnesses came. No witnesses are there, then you can't do this. So according to this, you're allowed to do it one way, but not the other. And he's going to reread Rabbi Shemuel's Rabbi Shemuel, Rabbi Shemuel statement to say this. So the question is, can it be that we add, just like we add a month to a year, and we add a month to a day, um, a day to a month, and that's for need, and all that's allowed, assuming that all that is allowed already. So can it be that so too we can detract the day and mikadesh today instead of tomorrow? No, that's why it says, Once you see the month, once you see the new moon, you have no choice. You have to do it that day. Um, so in other words, you can, right. So therefore, um, you cannot mikadesh it early. You can't do it early, but you can. You, you can't be mikadesh until you see it. But even if you see it, you can ignore and make believe you didn't see it and come back tomorrow. Uh, so that's how we, he reinterprets it. And we have an explicit statement that says this, Okay, um, this phrase is going to come up a lot. So when we say bismano, that always means a short month. That the 30th day is, is, is seen is Rosh Chodesh. That's called bismano. Whether, whether or not, you know, whatever is happening uh, astronomically. So bismano means a chaser month on the 30th. So here he says, we intimidate the witnesses. Why would we ever intimidate witnesses? In modern courts, that's not a good idea. You're not allowed to do that. Um, but in the case of the Betin, we know that they would, the Betin would always intimidate witnesses in the capital case. If people are coming to accuse someone of a capital uh, you know, uh, um, crime, like murder, 
Well, we really would not rather, uh, get, we would rather not give capital punishment. So the Mishnah Sanadin says, we, admit, admit, uh, we intimidate them. We say, listen, you know, if you're lying, you're going to cause someone to die unnecessarily. And then you're killing that person. It's like killing the world, the whole world, entire, like Adam, and so on and so forth. We really make them scared so that if there's any possibility they're lying, they'll go home. Okay, here, so we usually we only do that in capital cases, not in monetary cases, not when we just, there's two sides and we just need to know the truth. So here we do intimidate the witnesses to discourage them from giving their testimony if it's a chodesh that was seen at its time. In other words, that they came on the 30th day and the betin says, we don't want to make it today because it's no good. It's going to interfere with uh, Yom Kippur. And we want to make it all. We want to add a day. So we tell the witnesses, you're really going to come here. You know how serious this is if you're lying, right? When you give them oaths and scare them. And then we just send them home, right? Uh, come back later. And that way they don't come. And once they don't come, we don't make Kadesh the Chodesh. And it ends up being tomorrow. That you're allowed to do. So you can push it off. But you cannot, uh, you cannot intimidate witnesses if the month was not, the new moon was not seen, that they should come and lie and say, yeah, we saw it, right? So that would mean, because that means that really it's going to be tomorrow, but uh, what they, the betin wants to do it today. So what are you going to do? You're going to get two people off the street and say, hey, you saw it, right? You must have seen it. No, you can't do that and force them to testify to something that was not there. Okay, so you can push it off and this would make sense why you can push it off, but not bring it a day earlier. So that's the second opinion here of the Baal. Uh, but now we're going to challenge that. We have a tradition that these rabbis said, once or I said to another, that Rabbi Yochanan used to teach us his whole life. He would always say this. Uh, he used to teach us that you can intimidate witnesses regarding when there's a month that it was not, the new moon was not seen at its time. In other words, no one saw it on the 30th. So, but yet, so it's going to be tomorrow, but we want to make show. We want to make it today. And we want and to, to, to intimidate them. And, and even though they didn't see it, we intimidate them to say, yes, we saw it. Okay, this is a mind-blowing statement, right? According to the Biochanan, the, the Betin can, in fact, go get two people off the street and tell them, you better testify or else that you saw the moon, even though they didn't see it. So totally lie. What do you mean, lie? Well, yeah, because otherwise Yom Kippur and Shabbat are going to be back to back and there's a big problem, then the corpse will be smelly and all that. So we encourage someone to lie. Okay, Rashi says here, it's an outright lie. Rabbi Nochananel softens it a little. He says, no, we're talk not talking about two random people off the street. We're talking about people that came and they said they saw something or other. I don't know, maybe it was, a, you know, maybe they need new glasses or maybe they saw just some streak of, of clouds in the sky. Um, but they say they saw something. So we will uh, encourage them to give the testimony anyway, right? That would be we would intimidate them the other way, right? And say, hey, you better, you better not back off from your testimony. You may be very important that you better say this or else you better say that you saw it or else and say exactly what we tell you to say that you saw and so on. 
Okay, either way, it's quite an amazing chidush that yes, you're allowed to do that and bring in the new month early. So, but now we have a contradiction because before we said you can't bring it in early and now we said you can bring it in early. No, it depends when. If you're talking about Nisan and Tishrei, those are the day, those are the months when you have Yom Yamim Tovim in them. And for the Yamim Tovim, then it's important to get it right. And if it's going to end up by making it later, a day later, then Yom Kippur or Yom Tov will be on Friday or Sunday. Then that's a problem. So the only solution is to make it a day earlier to uh, to avoid that problem. So in the Sunday Tishrei, then yes, you can encourage the witnesses, even though you know that you know that they're lying, in order to adjust the calendar for people for the community needs. But in other months, then there's less of a reason to do that. There is still maybe some reason. Uh, for example, the rabbis want between four and eight months to be male, not less and not more. And if you end up having uh, having too many, then you might want to you might want to encourage them to say no, it's chaser. But you can't do it for that for that reason. That's not a good enough reason. But Nisan and you can, and that way we resolve both of those opinions that they're actually not arguing; they're in agreement. Okay, Rava Amar. So now that we saw that opinion, right? Um, oh, we're gonna we're gonna end up seeing one more. Um, but Rabbah wants to explain the first opinion, which was Rabbah Shemuel, and the one that said no manipulation allowed. That actually is uh, can be supported from a Tanetic source. Acherim he. Okay, even though we, even though we uh, we we added words and changed it. But uh, now we're going back to the original version and saying, no, no manipulation. And here's who supports it. Acherim, detanya. Acherim omerim en ben aseret la aseret ven ben rosh hoshana rosh hoshana ela arba yamim bilbad. So if you count from one Shavuot to the next Shavuot a year later, or between this rosh hoshana and next rosh hoshana, or really any date of the year, then if rosh hoshana this year is on Sunday, and then the next year, it'll be four days later in the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it'll be on Wednesday. Now, and it's always true. Why would that be? Because he's assuming that there's an exactly equal number of, of uh, 30 day months and 29 day months. And if you do that, 29 times six plus 30 times six, you get 354. And so 354, is divisible by seven with the remainder of four, right? 350 divisible by seven, four remainder. So that the next year, when you come back around, it'll be exactly the same day, but then four more days. So that's why it pushes it up four days. You see, according to this, there's no flexibility. Uh, and I, I decide I'm going to add a day here, not a day there. No, it's always got to be the same. And that's why no manipulation. If you don't manipulate, it will come out to be that. Uh, now, the only time it'll be different, according to Acharim, is if you add a second Adar, second Adar is 29 days, according to this, and 29 days, 28 is divisible by 7 plus 1, so then that'll make it five days later. Uh, so if Shana was on Sunday, then the next year it'll be on Thursday. So that supports the opinion that says no flexibility, no, um, no, no manipulation. Good. Now, Rav Dimi, Rav Dimi said the opposite of the opinions that we just said. The opinions here that said you can add a day 
but not make it earlier. He says you can make it earlier. So he says, says you can um, intimidate the witnesses if it was uh, if, the, if no one came on the 30th, then you can intimidate witnesses to testify on that day because uh, you want to make it early. But you cannot do the opposite. You cannot intimidate them on, uh, if the witnesses came on the, 20, on the 30th, you cannot intimidate them to go away and so that you can make it later on the 31st. And what's the reason this way? My ta'ama. And his answer is, So in the cases where a witness uh, is withholding testimony about what they saw, that looks like a lie. Why? If they come on the 30th, then it's probable, probable that not only these witnesses, but lots of people, if it's there in the sky, there's probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people that saw the new moon in the sky. If we come and take these witnesses and say, no, you better not, you better not testify or else, and we send them home, and then we end up pushing it to the next day, the people out there are, are see, saw it already, and they're going to know that the betin uh, uh, manipulated, and they're going to know that they're lying. So it's not good for PR to do that. However, the other way around, if no witnesses came, because it's really, the, the new moon is only seen on the 31st. But if we come and we encourage witnesses to lie and say they saw it, well, no one will know that they're lying. They'll assume, oh, maybe it was only seen from one perspective. And these guys have good eyesight and they happen to see it. So it won't be apparent that they're lying. It could happen that only a few people see it and not everybody else. And so it has to do with the reputation. In other words, even though the rabbis accept that there are legal fictions and that we are allowed to manipulate the calendar, and we'll see the justifications for this when we get to that famous story of Rabban Gamaliel and Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Akiva. So the rabbis can do this. You can make a legal fiction. But even when you make a legal fiction, it can't be so apparent that the people say, this is crazy, you're liars, right? So we got to keep it under the radar. Okay, so that's an important principle, and we're going to see that and come up again in a second. And so now we get to the third and last uh, section, which is Amar Shemuel. Shemuel said, I am an expert in astronomy. And if I, I know how to, I know how to um, calculate the calendar and the new moons and everything. And if you will let me do it, I could make a calculation of when the Rosh Chodesh is so that in Gola, in diaspora, they would know when the holidays were and they wouldn't have to do Yom Tov Sheni. And so that would, be a, that would be a great thing that he could figure that out. There were many attempts to remove Yom Tov Sheni in the times of the Talmud, of the Amoraim, but they were not accepted. So Yom Tov Sheni continues, but that's the point. Shemuel, another place says, I know the pathways of heaven like I know the pathways of Nehadadah, my hometown. So he was a real expert in it. All right. Now, it's never good to boast about something because if you boast, then you're going to encourage someone to challenge you. And that's what happens. The father of the of the uh, Abba, who was the father of Bismillah, said to Shemuel, he tested him. Do you, can you explain this baraita from the work called Sod Ha'ibur? 
there was once upon a time, we don't, it's not extant anymore, a work called The Secret of the Intercalation, or when you add and when you don't add. Um, why was it a secret? I think it's because of what we just said. There were very few, first of all, it's very difficult, very mathematical, complex to, uh, to make all these calculations. And furthermore, when that little group got together, sometimes they used legal fictions and made Rosh Chodesh not on the astronomical correct day. And so this was had to be a secret because they didn't want people to then uh, take it lightly and say, oh, it's not the real day today. The other one's the real day. So that's why this is secret knowledge. Okay, anyway, he tested them on and it says, do you know what this means? Nolad kodem hasot o nolad achad hasot. It says in there that it's important to know whether the nolad was before midday or after midday. Let's explain what the word nolad means. Nolad is the um, astronomical new moon. So here's what happens. When there's a full moon, it means that the sun is here and the moon is on the opposite side of the earth. And because of that, um, as long as it's not directly, if it's a direct line, then that'll be a lunar eclipse. But if as long as it's off even by a little bit, then the sun will bounce, uh, will bounce off the moon and the people on this side of earth at night will see the full moon. As the moon moves, moves um, towards the end of the month, then you can only see um, you know, uh, less and less of it. Here, this would be um, right uh, a half moon, quarter, uh, then a quarter moon. And then finally, at the very end of the month, which is like right before the molad, the uh, moon will be directly in between the sun and the earth. That's why it can't be seen. It can't be seen at night because it's on the other side and it's on the side of the day. And it can't be seen during the day because the sun is so bright. You can't see anything in the sky. It totally overpowers the moon. It doesn't look like anything. If it's in an exact straight line, then that will be a solar eclipse. But that happens rarely. It's not exactly a straight line, but you can't see it at all. So on the moment, there's one moment when it's precisely lined up, not eclipse lined up, but precisely right in front. And that's called the nolad. Now on earth, you still can't see it. On earth, you have to wait at least uh, sometime, a few hours before you can see it. Which And when would you see it? Well, that would be here. That would be the new moon when it comes back around. Um, that would be when the sun sets a little bit ahead of the moon. So the sun is down and then you can see a sliver of the moon right at right around sunset. OK, so what we're teaching, what we just uh, this statement uh, means, and then we're going to explain it here, is that it makes a difference whether that new that nolad, that exact moment, if it's before midday, then there's no chance that you're going to actually be able to see the new moon before sunset. But if the nolad exact moment is after midday, then you will be able to, if you're at the right spot and it's not cloudy, then you will be able to see a sliver of the moon. In other words, it takes six hours um, for the moon from, to be from, from going exactly lined up to be a little bit sufficiently behind the sun so that it will be distinctive and you can see its reflection. So that's what it means. Uh, we'll explain it a little again. Anyway, that was the test of Shemuel and Shemuel failed the test. He says, I don't know what that means. Well, if you don't know this, 
then maybe you don't know other things. So stop boasting that you know everything about the that about astrology, astronomy, and that you can fix all the problems of for the diaspora. You can't. So maybe this is one of the reasons that we did not follow Shemuel, right? You might get it wrong, and then we are going to celebrate uh, uh, Pesach on the wrong day. So we got to keep Yom Tov Sheni. Okay. Anyway, Shemuel um, never gave an answer to that, but here is a further explanation. When the Bizera went from Babel to Israel. He sent, he learned what it means, and he sent back a letter to Bavel. And he says, He says it's necessary to have a night and the day be the new month. In other words, the molad will happen at the beginning of the night. It has to, you cannot, you're never going to see the new moon in the morning or in the middle of the day. So you need to make sure that there's a night that comes first and then a day. Um, so it has to happen in the beginning of the night for, for, your ever, for, for you ever to see it. Further explanation. Right? We have to calculate the exact molad, nolad kodem chasot, if it's exactly lined up before midday. You can't see this, but you can calculate it. Then that will be sufficient time that on earth you'll be able to see that sliver before sunset. But if the, if the precise new moon was not was, uh, was after Chatzot, then not enough time. It's too, still too much lined up and you won't see it. Then you won't see it before sunset. And then that's it. Then that's not the new moon anymore. Now, why, why, why would you want to know this? Who cares? So that we can contradict witnesses. In other words, if we do a calculation and we see that the, the exact nolad is after chatzot, then we know that it will not be able to be seen that afternoon. So if a witness says, comes and says, I saw it, we know the witness is lying before they walk in the door. And then we can give them a hard time if we want to. Or we can say, yeah, yeah, you probably did see it if we, if we accept that we can manipulate. But anyway, we would know the truth before they come in. Okay, one last point. So here's a rule that you, the moon is totally not visible for 24 hours, right? That's the, um, the even though the nolad is only one second when it's exactly parallel, but wherever you are on earth, there's going to be a 24-hour period where we cannot see the old moon and cannot yet see the new moon, right? Um, uh, before that, you could see a sliver of the new moon in the, in the morning, but then 24 hours later, you could see a sliver. Before, you could see a sliver of the old moon in the morning. 24 hours later, you could see a sliver of the new moon uh, in the afternoon. But that 24-hour period, you can't see anything. However, what that 24-hour period is depends on where you are. We're assuming that we're calculating the molad and from Jerusalem. That's the center. There's other opinions also, but that's the most most people say we're calculating Jerusalem as to for this purpose. Now, Lidi Dan, it says, for us in Bavel, Shit Me'atika Utmane Sere Mechadeta. We can see for six hours the old moon, and for 18 hours we can see the new moon. In other words, because Bavel is more east than Jerusalem, so therefore, since they're further east, um, then that way, that's why they can see the old moon for longer. So for there's 
18, um, yeah, so for many hours, they can see the old moon, and uh, it's only six hours before the actual molad, that's when they stop seeing the old moon. But also because they're further uh, east, so, and then the, the new moon appears at sunset in the west, so they're further away from the west. Because of that, they will not see the new moon for, 12, for 18 hours after the nolad. So their midpoint is shifted. However, they lead you to, for the people in Eretz Yisrael, it's the opposite. Because they are further west, so they can only see the, um, because they're further um, west, before the west, so they can see the new moon um, for six hours, relatively less, because it sets in the west, and they're further west. Further west. So they can see it for less time. Um, but from the old one, um, because they are in the west, and that is, uh, and that the old one is in the east, so therefore they're they can see it for longer, they can see it for 18 hours. All right, so that's interesting. Who cares? This also is useful for refuting the witnesses because the witness, we can calculate, where are you? Where'd you come from? And then we can use that in calculating whether they could possibly have seen it. In other words, you have to take this into account also if they're coming from the East and now they, you know, they say they saw it at this time or not, we can put that into the formula and then say, oh, no, we know you're lying. And that way we will uh, question them uh, further and reject their testimony. OK, this is a very difficult, uh, very, very difficult statement. Some people call this the most difficult couple of lines in all of Shast. There's more of it to come. Uh, one thing we did not get into is the international dateline, uh, which is probably never uh, dis discussed in the Talmud. But this is, this is, in fact, one source that some of the poskim quote because of this, where are you here and there? And it is interpreted to uh, be related to the international dateline. Uh, can't, get, can't get into it now, but just uh, for curiosity, um, that does it, this, is, this is involved in that other important discussion. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.